0: Hello. This is required viewing. None of them have really aged well, except Knoxville and Wee Man. Actually, Wee Man looks great, and they do terrible shit to him.
1: He's, ba- he's built. He's more built for impact. How
0: do you have a relationship with <clears> those guys? They really torture each other's genitalia to a point where, like, how are they able to have any? Do baby you, mama any of them drama? have kids? Because they've all taken serious hits to the dick and balls a lot over the last twenty years. How are they? i
1: feel like I'm, and then they were echo. bmx
0: skaters on top of that so i know dudes who are bmx bikers and skaters and they were always racking their junk on something so they were flipping over bars and trying to do tricks on things they're not supposed to probably do tricks on and then so that's how others, we like, deal
1: with themselves. the vasectomy thing if people don't want to get a vasectomy we'll just get them really into bmx and skateboarding yeah yeah and we know they're uncoordinated
0: John Knoxville, sexy ass motherfucker. God,
1: I would do terrible things to that, man.
0: I don't think that's a spoiler. There's a lot of cum in a lot of these movies, so.
1: Wait, there was no physical cum in the first one, though. No. No, there wasn't. There was enough of everything else. Mm-hmm.
0: There wasn't any cum in the second one either. Stop trying to correct me. That was really funny until you corrected me. Stop trying to dig. I into was just it. trying
1: to remember if I blacked no, out on something and I was like, Did I miss something? One. Was there no. something that was really fucked up that I didn't see?
0: No, no, no. The most bah, bah, bah. cum actions <clears throat> in the last one. But the first one had plenty of other uh bodily materials in it.
1: Gross.
0: I mean, how else would you categorize it? We're gonna get into it. Anyway. Welcome back to the Required Viewing Podcast. I'm Erin. I'm Chloe. This week, if you couldn't tell already, we're getting a little dirty, a little nasty. Nay, I say filthy.
1: I'd say the filthiest.
0: The king of filth himself, John Waters, is who we're covering today. I am going to put a trigger warning at the top. Please, yes. Do not listen to this on speaker put it in or your at headphones. work not, do safe not for put work. this one on at work do not have your kids in earshot honestly if you're kind of sensitive maybe you skip to the
1: next one maybe this one isn't for you
0: uh because we're gonna get into some really fucked up shit today
1: and normally our explicit tag refers to the amount that we swear or whatever but this is
0: the content of this episode con- is going to be difficult it was difficult for us. If you've never seen a John Waters movie, you're gonna be in for a ride, my friends. So uh, It's
1: not all it's not all shits and tits though. It's he's, there's he, some good stuff.
0: He has shock value for a reason. Just like smell of vision had a reason and yeah. like the of <gasps> sheets
1: Did those two overlap pink flamingos and smell o vision? No.
0: Oh, many pink. decades before. No 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 no. I was like 50s i think
1: they tried to bring it back in the 70s i thought
0: oh he was not using smell-o-vision for fuck, pink flamingos no. it was vig it was a visual assault enough okay um so yeah well That's
1: exactly how i would describe it yeah
0: a visual assault he tries his best <clears> to <throat> make you go what the fuck and he
1: or just a really make sure that job. your jaw gets fixed open
0: that too uh we're kind of watching the gamut of his movies i feel like a lot of people or at least the general public knows john waters from uh a lot of i was like he's had a couple of famous musicals come out of his movies hairspray and crybaby or would be the top two um a lot of people love crybaby they have two very different followings. Yeah. Hairspray was then, it's really, Hairspray has a weird journey because it started as a movie that was not a musical and then was turned into a musical on Broadway. And then that musical on Broadway was then turned back into, into a movie. A movie musical with John Travolta. Yeah. As, no, no, John, Maybe John Travolta is not a sub for Divine. I'm not going to go on my soapbox about that, but I was never really Maybe happy about that. Maybe in his
1: mind he is, because, you know.
0: Uh, so today, yeah, movies. Today, the ones we're watching. We're watching some early stuff. We're watching some mid-ground stuff. We're watching some late stuff. Um, we're starting off with Pink Flamingos, followed up by super underrated, I think, Serial uh, Mom. I think serial serial mom could be a musical. I would go see it. Yeah, I, was I gonna think say it that would, one would be make a so musical. much fun as a musical and have it be all like fifties girl group style. Yeah. Anyway, I'm pitching John Waters right now. This is what he should write next. Anyway. Uh, and then we're <laughs> following it up with currently the last movie he's directed. I don't know if he's retired from directing or is currently working on a project, but the last slated one that he has directed, a dirty shame. Um, which ended up being a direct-to-showtime movie for various reasons we'll get into. Yeah. Um, but yeah, first up, we should find out who John Waters is.
1: Tell us, Aaron, Who is John Waters? John... How does one describe John Waters?
0: <laughs> He's a little bit easier to describe than the movies he makes. That's for fucking sure. Yeah,
1: I know Elv- um, Elvira, otherwise known as... Cassandra Peterson. Thank you. I knew you described him as the queerest person she knows or the queerest man on earth.
0: I feel like that's an apt description. Yeah. Um, Samuel John Waters Jr., born April 22nd, 1946, is an American filmmaker, writer, actor, and artist. He rose to fame in the early 70s for his transgressive cult films, including Multiple Maniacs, 1970, Pink Flamingos, 1972, and Female Trouble, 1974. He wrote and directed the comedy film Hairspray in 1988, which was an international success and was adapted into a hit Broadway musical. He also wrote and directed other films, including Polyester from 1981, Crybaby, 1990, Serial Mom, 1994, Pecker, in 1998, <laughs> Cecil B. Demented, which is also a great Ooh, movie. That's that
1: sounds like a good From one.
0: 2000. His films contain elements of postmodern comedy and surrealism. Mm-hmm. You should, um, this is my own like caveat, not research. I feel like you should always walk into a John Waters movie feeling like this is going to be a surrealist art film.
1: Everyone. That's a good way to think because about it. Because
0: if you it. go in thinking that this is an art project, whatever you see, is you'll be slightly desensitized to whatever the fuck he's going to throw at you. Still going to shock you. Yeah, but I feel like you'll be a little bit uh, more prepared for whatever happens because <laughs> he gets, yeah, he's a, uh, we're going to get into it. See it as an
1: art show. It is and an, also, he He's an artist. Also, just know that you're probably going to see some shit, literally and figuratively.
0: Definitely. As an actor, Waters has appeared in *Sweet and Low* (1999), *Seed of Chucky*, one of my favorite cameos of all time. *Seed of Chucky* (2004). We'll watch. We'll watch the I was Chucky like, movies I like one of these days because kinda... the Chucky movies are a really interesting franchise.
1: I never watched them all the way through. They freaked me out. I think I wasn't supposed to see them. But I also, I told you, I had this reoccurring nightmare when I was a kid that it was like.
0: Haunted dolls are scary, man.
1: Well, it was like I would step through my closet and then it was at this like county fair and or- it was the Orange County Fair and there was a vendor that had like a cart and there was just a bunch of Jamaican Chucky dolls and they were all like that's alive terrifying. and they were all like, you know, just strung up like marionettes almost that you can oh, buy no. one. And I was like, and that's always where the dream ended.
0: Oh, no. Mm no. Nope.
1: So I, needless to say, I've always I been kind of like Neh.
0: Well, I'm going to make you watch those Chucky movies because they're pretty. Especially the early ones. I don't want to get too much into it because I really love the voice actor who does Chucky. He's done a lot of stuff. He mm-hmm. was in The Exorcist 3. He was in uh, most of the Lord of the Rings franchise. Really? Um, he played, I forgot his character's name. They all have very similar sounding names in that story. Um, but like the king guy who was under that spell
1: yeah he's a little
0: like weird henchman dude that was the voice of chucky
1: okay
0: he also played the pode- possessed demon guy in exorcist 3 i don't know if i made you watch exorcist 3 or not no we're gonna i'm gonna make you watch exorcist 3 because it's really good There's so
1: much forceful watching yeah
0: because you don't watch horror and i think we're changing this from required
1: you, viewing to forceful viewing. I,
0: I just feel like you should give horror a little bit more of a chance it's not all gore but there is a good reason Well, if for you're war.
1: showing me the better one i am then I know that's the better ones. a little easier but normally i'm just kind ones. of turned off because yeah. you're just like
0: Ugh. um more cameos from john till death do us part in 2007 exclusion 2012 suburban gothic in 2014 more recently he performs his touring one-man show this filthy world which was also recorded and put on Showtime as well. Oh, cool. I have seen the recorded version as well as the live version. I have seen John Waters (laughs) perform this twice. He is just as fun in person as he is on film. Do
1: you know what else he's been in as in kind of a cameo, but he had a character? Huh. Law and Order SVU. Girl,
0: we're going to talk about SVU later. I put in a note about SVU just for you just for me when we get there i'm so excited you brought that up
1: just for us and chris maloney
0: um his number one babe for a long time was his childhood best friend they knew each other since like they were little kids divine the Mm -hmm. drag queen divine and his regular cast of what he called the dreamlanders it was pretty much most of his early movies were with this solid group of people Waters also works as a visual artist across different media, such as installations, photography, and and sculpture. In 2016, he received an honorary degree from the Maryland Institute College of Art. The audiobooks he narrated for his own books, uh, Carsick and Mr. Know-It-All, were nominated for Grammys for Best Spoken Word Album in 2015 and 2020, respectively. Um, in 2018, Waters was named an officer of the Order of the Arts and Letters in France. Okay. Which, fancy motherfucker. That's great. I love. I love that. That's awesome. He's John Waters. He's filthy and fancy. The first time I saw John Waters' one-man show, he was essentially hosting an art installation. For William S. Burroughs. You know who William S. Burroughs is, right? The beatnik author and artist. He used to hang out with Jack Kerouac and.
1: I think you told me this before. So so he
0: decided to go die in Lawrence, Kansas, in the woods, out in the middle of nowhere. And a lot of the art that he created from the last, his twilight years. Was given to the Lawrence Art Council and they put it all on display and it was auctioned off and there's all it was. I'm gonna be honest because he kind of went off the deep end after he accidentally shot his wife and killed her.
1: Um, You mean kind of went off after he did that? I would say before Um, he did that he definitely went off the deep end.
0: Most of the art was like shotgun holes in various pieces of wood.
1: It was his very wife just, bizarre. Like, get in the way of that or was it deliberate?
0: This is all the art he created after his wife died. Oh. And he okay. accidentally shot his wife. So, two and two. So, yeah. She, he just went out to the woods to shoot pieces of wood. They were like actual, like half trees that they had for sale. It's just a bunch of shot up buckshot. Sounds like a tree.
1: recipe for the trouble with Harry.
0: Yes, yes. Last right? episode. Hey. Throwback. Um, or callback,
1: you... right? Callback, call as they back. call it in the biz.
0: Are you ready to get into Pink Flamingos?
1: No, but let's do it anyway. That's why
0: I had to like really slowly ask you because I wanted to make sure you were prepared.
1: I was anxious even announcing the movies, just (laughs) knowing that we were going to be getting into this. Not dreading it, but... okay. It feels like a big... This episode for me is going to be like PTSD pretty much. A
0: little bit. A little bit. So... At the top, I need to say that Describing this movie without sounding like I'm reading pornography oh. Is gonna be a little difficult That's why I trigger warning at the beginning But you so have a great just,
1: storyteller's voice well, So I feel like
0: that will It'll still feel The horrific things I'm about to read <laughs> So get ready, friends Following the story of the notorious Criminal divine Brace yourselves Ooh, I, and
1: your buttholes I know, right?
0: <laughs> Divine lives under the pseudonym Babs Johnson with her mentally ill mother Edie, delinquent son Crackers, and traveling companion Cotton. Oh, God. They share a trailer on the outskirts of Phoenix, Maryland, next, next to a gazing ball and a pair of plastic pink flamingos. After learning that Divine has been named the filthiest person alive, by the tabloid paper in town, jealous rivals Connie and Raymond Marble attempt to usurp her title.
1: Oh, it's Marble, not Marvel.
0: What did you thought it was?
1: Marvel, like Captain Marvel.
0: No, Marble. Oh,
1: Be-able. interesting. Really? Yeah, really
0: like Marvel. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's marbles. They cop. They yell about the marbles all the whole movie.
1: It's hard the, sometimes to keep track of It's why. also the
0: copy. Well, I mean, it's from the 70s and it was one of his first movies and it isn't the best quality of sound. So yeah. that could also have contributed to your...
1: And their Baltimore uh, accent.
0: That as well. Uh, <laughs> that as well. It's interesting. The Marbles run... Uh, okay i want to brace myself for the next sentence i gotta read oh i thought you were <laughs> nope here we go okay. the marbles run a black market baby ring they kidnap young women then have them impregnated by their manservant channing Ew. and then sell the babies to lesbian couples specifically lesbian couples gays are not allowed just the lesbians just the lesbians The proceeds are used to finance pornography shops and a network of drug dealers selling heroin in the inner city elementary schools. (sighs) Raymond also earns money on the side by exposing himself with a large kielbasa sausage or turkey neck tied to his penis. And then when his unwitting female victims see His ugly ding dong. They run away and leave their purses and he grabs their purses and steals their money.
1: So he gets his jollies and the cash.
0: (sighs) Yeah. That plan seems to work pretty well until his target is a transgender woman who has not had her surgery on her bottom. And she shows her titties and then she wags her dick around and he flips and runs. I say bad taste on him. If you're gonna expose yourself, to you gotta just be ready, ass ready for somebody people. else to if be like, "I'm as freaky as like, you are." One of these days, your number's gonna run out, and someone's gonna wag their dick at you. And well, that's he how did. conceited
1: and egotistical he was. He didn't ever think that anybody. He thought he was just gonna get away with it all the time. Fuck
0: Raymond. I was fucking. He was a creep. Oh my god! E- Honestly, dude, everybody in this movie is a fucking creep. I, I like even the people you're supposed to have sympathy for. I don't really have sympathy no. for. Like, there's not a lot of art film. I'm gonna keep saying art. But film. But usually
1: that's the story, right? You build empathy with a character, but there's no there's empathy with any of Like, of You these should characters. have empathy for
0: the divine, but you don't really. Anyway, because they're
1: all just so filthy.
0: They are nasty. The Marbles enlist a spy, Cookie, to gather information about Divine by dating Crackers. In one of the film's most infamous scenes, Cookie gets raped by Crackers while crushing a live chicken between them as Cotton looks on through the window. Cookie then informs the Marbles about Babs' real identity, her whereabouts, and her family, as well as her upcoming birthday party. The marbles send a box of human feces to Divine as a birthday present with a card addressing her as Fatso and proclaiming themselves as the filthiest people alive. We're worried that her title has been seized, Divine declares that whoever sent the package must die in a very dramatic drag queen fashion. hmm While the Marble... Again, also, mm-hmm. you also need to keep into context that the lead person in this is a drag queen. And everybody and else
1: is not really actors, so... Divine is really carrying the performance throughout 100%. the
0: 100%. Even though I'm not as, like, the person, the character of Bab Johnson, I love Divine as a performer. She is top notch in this. It is over the top and exactly what you would expect from oh, yeah. someone who has blue eyeshadow going to the crown of their head. Worried that her title has been seized, Divine declares that whoever sent the package must die. While the marbles are gone, Channing dresses in Connie's clothes and imitates his employer's overheard conversations in a very weird, psycho-esque kind of scene. There's a wig.
1: There's a wig. No, no, no. He colors his own hair. He colors his
0: own hair. When the marbles return home, they are outraged to find Channing mocking them. So they fire him and lock him in a closet, which that also adds up to what's going on in this movie. The marbles arrive at the trailer to spy on Divine's birthday party. Her birthday gifts include poppers, (laughs) fake vomit, lice shampoo, a pig's head, and a meat cleaver. Entertainers, this is another one of Chloe's most favorite parts of this movie. Mm -mm. We're going to every time I say it's one of Chloe's favorite parts, there's quotes around that.
1: Heavy quotes.
0: Because these were the moments that made Chloe ask me why. I was making her watch these movies <laughs> and made her want to leave the room. Uh, so the entertainers at the birthday party include a topless woman with a snake act, a contortionist who flexes his prolapsed anus in rhythm oh. to the song Surf and Bird. That's the moment. That's the moment. The Eggman. Again, this isn't
1: a visual medium, so and you can't see the pain on my face.
0: <laughs> the Eggman is not a lyric to a Beatles song. He's an actual man who delivers eggs to Crazy Edie Divine's mother,
1: who is also creepy and weird,
0: terrifying, horrifying woman. She's nightmare well, I'm at fuel. Well, I the Eggman
1: as well. Oh
0: yeah, the Eggman. Everybody's creepy in this movie. Yeah. The Eggman confesses his love for Edie and proposes marriage. She accepts immediately, and then he literally carts her off in a wheelbarrow.
1: Not to mention, she's straight up mentally ill, yo. They all are. I mean, yeah, for sure. But, like, they announced that she's mentally ill in the beginning. So. <laughs> I guess they do. For the mentally ill to announce her as mentally ill and not themselves, I feel like she's got to be top of the barrel there.
0: Right. Disgusted by the outrageous party, which I think is really funny for them to be upset and be the people who are the filthiest people alive and then to be disgusted. It's irony.
1: I think that they're also upset because they weren't invited.
0: That's a good point. I bet they were upset. They they're weren't watching invited.
1: everybody, all their fellow freaks. This might all be fun. because they
0: just were sad they weren't friends with Divine.
1: That's what this story is really about.
0: They were just really sad that they weren't friends with Divine. Well, it's going to take a turn real fast. Yeah, it will. Disgusted (sighs) by the party, the Marvels call the police. But this backfires when Divine and her guests ambush the officers, hack up their bodies with meat cleavers, and eat them in a very graphic cannibalist scene.
1: As if there wasn't enough going on already.
0: Yeah, I'll throw some cannibalism in there just in case. You yeah. we got pepper some stuff in there. We got we got to cover all our bases, Chloe. You
1: pepper? Do you mean like add pepper to the police officers that they're eating? Yes. Probably some salt. Definitely. I mean, it,
0: spice that ham.
1: I mean, they've been eating. They've been eating a lot, probably donuts and other oh things. So you know, they've been fattening up for the for the feast.
0: Divine and crackers then head to the marble's house uh, where they lick and rub the furniture which excites them so much that divine ph- that divine <laughs> I can't even I can't
1: even You can't even get out the words because it's so disturbing. She blows her son. Yeah.
0: I was going to say it like a more fancy way but like And I there's
1: can't. no implied blowjob it's like a straight up whip it, it out we're put talking it in the mouth. That
0: in the why we should give a shit where i told you that i had tidbits about all of it and that is a big one
1: see i think why we should give we a, a shit is very, very large be proving
0: discussion it. about how anyway i we're think gonna we're get really it
1: anyway. yeah i think we're really gonna be proving it to ourselves more yeah, than anybody else <laughs> so
0: divine blows her son crackers on the couch uh. And then they end up finding Channing d- and discovering two pregnant women in the basement who have been held captive for this baby ring.
1: One woman who you said my favorite thing of all. You're like, she's got a lot of energy for someone.
0: Who's- <laughs> <laughs> they did say they were starving and she seemed to be talking a lot. She had... An amazing amount of zazz for all the exposition she was, was getting. I,
1: I wrote down what you said. <laughs> Did you really? I said, she talks a lot for someone who's starving. A lot of energy. Spice. <laughs> a lot of spice. I mean, it was, she was really going
0: for it. and I don't know, man. If I haven't eaten in like... Twelve hours. I don't want to do
1: anything. She also has a child that's eating off of her, and that she's too. not getting her prenatal They're vitamins. Pregnant.
0: No, there's not. Yep.
1: Where's she getting nope. that energy? She's hiding snacks.
0: There's still an extra dead body down there. There's like a dead pregnant bitch in that basement too. Yeah. There's no, all no, no. sorts of. She wasn't pregnant and anymore. Stuff. She gave
1: birth, and then they left her there, right? Yeah, she
0: died. Yeah. Yeah. Not great. Not awesome. After Divine and Crackers free the women in the basement, like the only redeeming thing they do in this entire fucking movie, the women grab a large knife and decide to castrate Channing. I'm for vengeance. I'm for it. That was another
1: part I was down with. Them getting out and them castrating that dude.
0: Yeah. They were like, yep, we're done with this. I would have done the same thing. Mm -hmm. Eye for an eye, bitch. You're done. It's not me. You're done
1: a one-eyed snake for a one eyed <laughs> yeah yeah the
0: marbles then while all of this is happening at their house they the marbles couple are at divine's trailer and they set it on fire
1: see that's more noticeable than just licking everything
0: well wait i don't know if you remember this part because you were really traumatized by that point yeah. but when the divine the marbles return home, so everybody goes sw- flips back. Everybody goes to their respective right. homes. The marbles show back up, and crackers and divine have cursed the furniture with their spit. So when they go to sit down on the furniture, the furniture rejects them. Oh, that's and why that happened. Shoots them up into the air. Okay, that's why that. It's happened. a curse. They put a curse on the house.
1: I was so confused. <laughs> I was just like, this movie is really yeah, going off the rails. I know that you rails.
0: were dealing with a lot at that point, so I wanted to clarify that's what was going on. I'm glad on. you
1: did. <laughs> I was like, this movie is really going off the rails.
0: They also find that Channing has bled out in the basement and the pregnant bitches are gone, which mm-hmm. means the cops will probably be coming for them fairly soon. Good. After finding the remains of their burned-out trailer, Divine and Crackers return to the home of the Marbles, kidnap them at gunpoint, and bring them back to the arson site. Divine then calls the local tabloid media to witness the Marbles' trial and execution. They literally say at the top, this is going to be a trial followed by an execution. So it really doesn't matter what happens with the trial, because...
1: They're going to get executed regardless. There's going to be an execution today. Well, I think it's good, though, because they're getting their crimes out there. So in case there's any other hurt people out there, they can find them.
0: Yeah. Divine then holds a self-deputized kangaroo court and convicts the bound and gagged Marbles couple of first-degree stupidity and assholeism, which I love. That was so funny. I wish we can convict people of assholeism. That'd be great. Oh, yeah. I also think people would probably abuse it, like they're about to. Mm -hmm. Cotton and crackers recommend the sentence of execution. I I wonder, Mm. (laughs) where was Mm -hmm. this going? So the marbles are then tied to a tree, coated in tar and feathers, and then shot in the head by divine. I feel like the tar and feathers was really just like catharsis for them because if you're going to shoot somebody, you're going to shoot somebody.
1: Well, they also got a thing with chickens, so they definitely have enough fucking feathers.
0: That's true. There is a weird chicken fetish in this movie. Divine, Crackers, and Cotton enthusiastically decide to move to Boise, Idaho. Spotting a small dog defecating on the sidewalk, Divine scoops up feces with her hand and puts them in her mouth, Proving, as the voiceover narrated by Waters himself, says that she is also the filthiest actress in the world. The end. It literally ends with her eating dog shit. And that's another really infamous scene. I feel like I think even she more, puts it in
1: her mouth and then for yeah, as long she, as she can, she can. And then I'm bleh, about yeah. the
0: fucking gag right now. <laughs> She's dog shit. It's real dog shit. She really eats dog shit. Oh, my God. Why should we give a shit about this bitch who eats dog shit?
1: Well, divine is divine, but that movie is that movie. movie is not divine.
0: Uh so, especially the early movies. They really influenced, specifically nineteen seventies underground art culture. Mm-hmm. Andy Warhol was a big fan of John Waters early on. Yeah, and Andy Warhol, the movies that I want to show you. That's why I'm like, oh, I'm so like, I don't remember any of this. Because I, in college, with a weird
1: gender and ethnic studies friend. Yeah, I kept asking friend, you. I was like, you said you've seen this before. And you're like, I don't, I don't remember, remember most of because this. Because we were
0: watching a bunch of John Waters movies. But we were also watching a bunch of Andy Warhol movies. And I say a bunch because there is literally only a bunch of them. Mm. There is a small number of Andy Warhol movies and there's even a smaller amount that you can get a hold of. So we had a weird, fucked up movie-a-thon and all the blood and genitalia and cannibalism and mutilation, it all just kind of got Blend lost. It. <laughs> so if I seemed like I was watching this movie for the first time, Probably that's why. It was, I just was really, it was a lot. So, yeah, he uh, influenced Andy Warhol quite a bit. And uh, the brothers Mike and George Carr. Um, This took a lot of cues from ballroom drag shows. It has that style. It's very over the top, like I was saying earlier. Um, He became a kitsch director. Mm-hmm. which is essentially why I wanted to talk about him because he's a very niche director. Mm-hmm. Not everyone has not seen Not for
1: everyone. Him.
0: Yeah. He is definitely not for everyone and not everyone has seen John Waters' movies.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so <laughs> I just like to bring up some of those underground ones so Which is it's funny it to think sense. of people who
1: are like i love hairspray and it's like the same dude made the most i know that's up why stuff. i like to
0: i'm like are you sure you love hairspray have you seen the original one with divine i will say you and i should watch that sometime i want to watch that because divine yeah. gives a really beautiful performance and it's she's out of makeup most of the time yeah she's really playing edna turnblad yeah she's really playing the mom and it's like a real performance for the first time, which, but it was also very close to when Divine passed away. Okay. Sadly, so, so giving the like performance of, the of a bastions, lifetime, yeah, yeah, that we get of her. Um, this movie was shot on a budget of ten thousand dollars.
1: That makes a lot of sense to me,
0: which is why it ended up on the underground circuit in New York because it was a low budget indie film. Again, sound quality quality issues, visual quality issues. Ten thousand dollars. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, do you want to talk about the chicken scene first, <laughs> or <sighs> the birthday scene first? Pick your poison.
1: Uh, chickens.
0: John Waters stated that the only scene in the film that he regrets filming and was totally unnecessary and unstimulated. Well, okay. So two parts. He slightly regrets the chicken scene. The chicken died.
1: No he shit.
0: talked about that the whole time. The chicken died. I know. Died. I was like, what happened to the they chicken? They ate the chicken. They plucked it and okay. they ate it for dinner.
1: Okay. Because they
0: were all living in a barn out on that property. They were all surviving out there. Mm-hmm. Except for Divine and I believe one of the crew members. They, The two of them went and stayed at their house in town because divine was too much of an actual queen. She was not staying out in that fucking barn. She was sleeping in a bed and she used to get up at the crack of dawn to put on makeup and then stand on the corner at like 8am to get driven back out to the film location in full drag makeup. Uh And I guess they got some looks, but the other super really uncomfortable scene that's not the birthday scene. Um, the dick sucking scene. Yeah, this was an even bigger regret for John Waters. Oh, he, he did really regret didn't it. Think, he said he didn't think it moved the story along really at all, which we both agreed that was something I said when we were watching it. You could have like, like what the fuck? You could have cut right
1: it now? at her getting ready to do it. You know, yeah, and just and um, left it. He at that. claimed
0: that it was also really fucking awkward to film because the two actors were friends and they weren't really into it. It was something that they did because the director said, do it. And it's, it like you said, it is a full, it's not a fake dick-sucking scene. She gets the tongue in and everything. You're like, damn, girl, that's graphic. And they didn't really love it either. So mm-hmm. I just thought that that was interesting um, and that you would like to know that they weren't super fucking into it either. He also thought it was the most dated part. Of the film, it was an homage to Deep Throat, which had also a kind of culty. Yeah. It's a pornography movie. Right. But it had like an art following in the 70s, and it also came out in the early 70s. But it was built around
1: that, whereas this seemed like it was... Like you could have easily taken it out and not lost any part of the story. He was
0: trying to satirize porn chic, which Mm -hmm. was the thing of the early 70s. I see. But... Yeah, I'm not in love with it. It was one of the biggest parts of this movie I could have done without. <laughs> and I'm all for a good blowjob, but it was just really <sighs> awkward. You're like, no one in this room wants this to be happening, and it's you can uncomfortable. Feel it this screen, yeah, absolutely. Um,
1: and normally, you don't actually see it; it's always implied.
0: So, party scene—nothing to do with the butthole. All my information about the party scene has nothing to do with that dude's butthole.
1: Why so was that can, necessary? That was all. Well, I, he
0: probably had a friend that could do that, and that was like a party trick. And he was like, "You want to do it on film?" I have no idea what the dude with the butthole. I, I wouldn't even call that a is. fucking
1: party trick. Like, I'm, I. It seemed like somebody that wanted to do it, and he was like, "Look what I can do!" And everyone was like, ah.
0: So if you buy the like, there's like a special edition DVD of this out there. Um, There are some deleted scenes, and director John Waters tells of a character named Patty Hitler, whose (sighs) scenes were cut from the film. Patty is a friend of Divine, and she is adorned in swastikas and other Nazi attire. You pointed out someone, you were like, oh, look, Nazis. And I was like, what? Because they blended in with the cannibalism chaos that Mm -hmm. was happening. But this is who that is. Patty Hitler. Okay. Um... She also tells, she in the original film told everybody where Connie and Raymond lived. So she had like a little bit of a plot narrative. She had something going on. Mm -hmm. Um, Basically, her scenes were cut away except for those shots of her in Nazi regalia at the birthday party. That's what's left of her character. I mean, so it I makes just thought that was interesting. sense,
1: I guess, in that context too. We're throwing like a lot at you. Yeah. Hit, Patty. Patty handler.
0: Really, man. Nazis. There's only so much you can take in an hour and a half. You know what I mean?
1: It felt so much longer.
0: <laughs> um. Yeah. That's uh. That's that's what I got. That's what there's, you got. There's, 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 there might be some long pauses in this episode because there's I just know a, there's lot just a lot to, to like
1: digest,
0: relive.
1: That also, <laughs> it's traumatizing. But I
0: love it. That's the problem. I really love John Waters. His whole point is to test censorship and to test the boundaries of what you can get away but with. Can you do film. that with,
1: without showing me some sort of anal prolapse?
0: It depends on who you ask.
1: Well, remember I told you a few days ago, watching that scene affected my own personal bowel movements. (laughs) Like, I remember just like when I was going and if it wasn't going to happen, I was like, you know what? Don't force it. Just don't force it. And you were dying when I told you. You're like, oh my God, what? I was like, it didn't happen for you. I was like, I just didn't want to end up like that guy.
0: John Waters still affecting bowel movements. I think he'd find that as a compliment.
1: I feel like that should be like a sexual health after school special or something. Like, take care of yourself and don't Poop don't push too day. hard. Otherwise, this will happen to you. And then you show that motherfucker rolling around and that'll turn anybody off of anything. Oh,
0: my God.
1: Maybe that'll also promote some abstinence after a while. Like, this is what people are into. <laughs> Oh, my God. Dudes blowing dudes, butts doing weird stuff. It could happen to Everything you is or to you stay or inside. you.
0: You are not supposed to see anything come out of your butthole.
1: That is accurate.
0: You're supposed to stay inside. The fact that there is like a like a porn hub subgenre oh, is called rose the, budding. What? Uh, the name? We're going to get into weird. Se- we There's weird sexual fetish stuff in the last movie, so we might as well talk about it now. Rosebudding is the fetish of anal prolapsing. A lot of times it's like two women and oh my God, I hope my parents don't fucking listen to this episode. Uh, There's like two women and like one will fist the other in their ass and then everything comes out. No. Okay. <laughs> and it's something that arouses people no, and I
1: don't no, get
0: it. No. It's gross and every doctor everywhere would tell you that is not healthy.
1: That's the thing, right? To each their own, but be healthy and safe.
0: Weird. Huh. What do you got? I'm glad that uh, you're you're always learning when you're hanging out with me, man. You can just keep bros budding and put that No, way. stop. Because <laughs> we also talked about like Rosebud from Orson Wells. Citizen,
1: that's right. <laughs> that's right. I, you were like, All I could think about is this, and I was like, What is that? And I think I've probably blocked it yeah, out. You probably
0: blocked it out. I'm pretty sure I've told you. And then you, you brought it, it back. Before. Yep, I'll always slightly remember you <laughs> to remind you what rose budding is. Bro, sorry, dude. Also, not gross. It was topical. We're talking, he was that's what he was doing. <sighs> yeah,
1: sorry. Anyway, I just. You caught me off guard. But I just remember at the beginning, they were like, my kind of people and assholes. And we, the funny thing is, we didn't even know yet what where that was going to go.
0: A lot of asshole.
1: In this a lot movie. of asshole. I was thinking it was like really bad acting, uncomfortable framing. Not just because it was like an art film and it was like at the beginning of someone's directorial career. But it just felt kind of had like a bad porno feel.
0: A lot of that was the color. He yeah. homemade his Technicolor. Interesting. He did it himself. They used, uh, they painted everything. They used like physical paint. Yeah. To like mimic Technicolor. And I See, feel like I feel that like also that... gave it like that weird homey feel.
1: Right. It but felt I f- like a home movie. Yeah. But I feel like too, it would have maybe been really fun as like a music video. No dialogue. Maybe no butthole blow job or chicken fucking yeah, just, <laughs> right yeah. i know it's just, just
0: like putting any music to this movie is
1: well the music that they did have ironically was really good
0: um that first song was actually substituted in later really um the original one was 16 candles but then that once things start once that movie became popular they had a problem with yeah. 16 candles being used in the movie I so would they imagine... had to switch it yeah. out
1: um, I just thought it was funny that Judy Babs, you know, like, well, I forget her last name. She drove a Coupe de Yeah. So it was very, like, Cruella de
0: But yeah, But if Cruella de
1: got into porn and had no self-respect.
0: Oh, that's a good Disney segue. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it is, which I have the update. So the segue being that Divine was the inspiration for Ursula from The Little Mermaid. Yeah. Which, when I was a kid... That was my shit. I watched Me that too. all the time. Also, a huge crush on I Prince tell you, Eric.
0: All the time that Little Mermaid is my favorite. When I was a kid, I wanted to be Ariel because every little girl wanted to be Ariel. As an adult woman, realizing how toxic that fucking relationship was. Oh, so I want to be Ursula so bad. See again, and you relate movie, as you get older. Just, when you get older and you get jaded, you turn into a villain, not a Disney princess. Oh my
1: god! I used to work with a guy who looked like a literal Prince Eric.
0: There was that guy that used to live in our building that looked like Prince Eric, and his name was er, actually yeah. Eric.
1: Yeah. He Except this other guy was a little more cl- clean. Looking. He looked more like the Disney Prince version. Not and
0: not like the John Waters version, like the guy in our yeah. building. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Dude, our building would have been perfect to use in a John Waters movie. He would have loved it. We should have made our own John Waters movie when we were living there. If only. Before they, quote unquote, fixed it up.
0: You mean painted it blue and charged fifteen hundred dollars for it,
1: and painted all the the hallways white, yeah. so th- anyway, with no with anyway, no anything. Anyway, we're not going
0: to regale everyone with our
1: with trauma. our personal st- traumas and stories. So, did you know <laughs> that uh, ooh, let, me get, let me get just real quick there? Yeah. So, Divine wasn't the original inspiration for Ursula. The script called for. Described Ursula as a Joan Collins esque character.
0: Oh yes, I did know that.
1: All designs were very thin and high, yes. high like high chiefo. She was woman. originally skinny. She was. The, I like it. The person described it as a punk biker mama.
0: Well, that's why I thought um, that the the Corella Deville. Like oh, crossover. was it good? Yeah. Um, because the original sketches, I don't know if you've ever seen them, they look a little bit more like Cruella Deville than what ended up being Ursula.
1: Yeah. They do. They really do. Yeah. So yeah, I think they just, on the, on the, like all the character designs and such, the art director was drawn to this one because at the time, like, well, by this time it was like the, the eighties, like the late eighties and, you know, Pink Flamingos and Divine had been really popular. I think you know, yeah. So,
0: we're not going to talk too much about Disney. No, I always careful about that. But uh, Little Mermaid came out in eighty nine. Yes, and so they probably worked on it at least. It took two, them a few years to. Two, back in it. those days, it took at least two to three years to make those animated movies. And *Hairspray* came out in eighty four. I think I said yeah. so. That was like a again. That Very was a huge soon after. launch point for divine as an artist independently of john waters right hairspray was going to take divine to the next level and i posed this to you off air while we were watching this movie but i wonder if divine lived longer if we would think of divine at that same level as like rupaul because divine was there before rupaul right and divine really was taking off In the mid 80s. I will have to look up when she passed away, but it was very tragic, I believe a heart attack. But um, yeah, I wonder. But yeah, I always wonder what would have been.
1: I know that was a really good question you asked because it really made me think. But you know, they switched it to the Baltimore born queen, and it was really her stage presence from her drag shows as well, uh, as well as her just larger than life, campy, gravelly toned. That's what turned into that octopus, which technically, Ursula has six legs, so she's not really an octopus, but she kind of is. She's a squiddy thing.
0: Early Disney, well, this is not, the early Disney renaissance, that's what it's called, that's what I'm going to call it. The early Disney renaissance yes. was not really worried about keeping that education Accurate. on. Porn.
1: Well, I think, right, a cartoon people have four four fingers, then yeah. octopi are going to lose a couple of tentacles.
0: We got a little, lose a little.
1: But it was, yeah, just that larger-than-life stage presence that really kind of brought it in for Ursula. So that I thought that, you know, we both thought that that was really... I mean, we kind of knew the history of that, but they, I thought it was interesting that Joan Collins was the first... The script called for Joan Collins. And they sketched that up, but it was really ultimately, like, the Divine-esque, you know, motif. The sketches are really interesting to see.
0: Okay. Are you ready for the death of Divine?
1: Yeah. I'm wondering if Phyllis Diller inspired Divine hair wise.
0: Maybe. Maybe. A lot of girl groups from the 60s had like. inspired. Well, I mean, John Waters. Loves the 50s and 60s. Mm -hmm. He loves the time that traumatized him the most, I think. Um, Growing up in a very sheltered town, a very closeted town. In Crybaby, they call it squares. Mm -hmm. In Dirty Shame, they're neuters. Mm -hmm. Like He's always mocking the perfect American life of the 50s and 60s. He wanted to do everything in his power to not be that. Because um, it affected him so negatively as mm-hmm. a child. Um, on March 7th, 1988, three weeks after Hairspray was released nationwide, Divine was staying at the Regency Plaza Suites Hotel in L.A. He was scheduled to tape a guest appearance the following day as Uncle Otto and the Fox Network show Married with Children love married with children or at least i used to love married with children i might re-watch that and see how that yeah. aged yeah <laughs> um after spending all day at sunset studios for rehearsal divine returned to the hotel that evening he dined with friends at the hotel shortly before midnight he died in his sleep at the age of 42 of a heart failure i was right it was a heart yeah. attack I was almost heart positive. Failure, I yeah. don't know if you know what Divine looks like, but she's a large lady. And heart gave out at 42. So.
1: Larger than life.
0: A year and a day before I was born. Hmm. March 8th, also, 1989. Also, only
1: three weeks after its release. So she didn't even get, they didn't That's even get I'm to saying,
0: like. That's why I'm saying like Divine didn't really get the... The platform that she was going to have.
1: Not even so much that, but to enjoy the su- its success yeah. in, as much as, as popular and as it And it was became. successful. Yeah. The
0: original movie was successful. It was Divine and Ricky Lake as yeah. mom and daughter.
1: Right. And there was no dick sucking or prolapsing. There was no
0: dick sucking. And there wasn't a lot of makeup. No. You imagine Divine in like that big blue makeup, but this is the most like...
1: Stripped down. Yeah
0: she's basically in a wig. She basically looks like her out of drag self word. Um, and I always refer to divine as she, even though if you look up divine, um, they will almost exclusively gender divine as he, but divine's character at least was always female. So I would prefer if anyone questions me, I'm explaining, I would prefer to gender divine, uh, female. Cause she was a queen.
1: Oh, for sure. When I was looking it up, there was a capital Q yeah. on that queen. But I also thought, I, when I was doing a little of my own research on John Waters, I think the interesting, it was the elements of reality and sightings on the street that primarily, like primarily Baltimore, that were like all the inspirations for everything.
0: So there's one of my favorite lines, like even in the musical Hairspray, it's still really dirty. There's a lot of really dirt. The opening song, good morning, Baltimore. She talks about the flasher that lives next door. That's because John water used to have a flasher down at the end of his block. Uh. Some dude that used to just expose himself to kids going to school. Oh yeah. Like all every, everything about his life in Baltimore. And even as we'll see through the other movies, it's all channeling his reality in Baltimore. Every movie, every art project. Right. He's the biggest bastion for Baltimore, Maryland ever.
1: Right. Because he's still there.
0: He lives there. He does not live in Hollywood. He films everything there. Much like Lloyd Kaufman. Mm -hmm. Uh, Never left the New York, New Jersey, tri-state area. And will never. Mm -hmm. Will always produce everything from home state, which I also love.
1: That's nice. Um, But yeah. My other last question, because we definitely have to like wrap it up Move on pink it. flamingos. I know. Was I asked your question because Mr. and Mrs. Marble, as I now know, <laughs> marble with a B. Uh, they both had like blue and pink hair that they like, dyed opposing themselves. each other that they dyed themselves in addition to their pubic hair that was dyed that way. That
0: they also so uh the guy that played Raymond that blue hair yeah it was dyed with a Crayola marker. And he'd break a Crayola marker, like, um, yeah. Ew. He did it himself with a marker.
1: Okay. Yikes. Well, the other,
0: uh, Connie's played by Mink Stole, mm-hmm. who's also a performer uh, from the area, and she was always like that. She was very big and crazy.
1: So there's the, a dr- We could even,
0: I would love to come back to John Waters and do a whole thing on the Dreamlanders and like... His original crew of peeps, because their stories are all really insane, and how he got involved with Patricia Hearst, and like yeah, that's how he became friends because she eventually, as we'll see in the last two movies, she becomes a part of his crew, and you're like Patty Hearst, as in like the Hearst Mansion Hearst, as in like the bitch who fucking robbed that place that one time, yeah, that Patty Hearst.
1: You think that's why he called that one chick Patty Hitler? Or was that her stage name already?
0: Maybe. He was always fascinated with the Hearst trial. Right. And then when he was able to become friends. When was
1: the trial? Yeah, uh,
0: I'll look
1: at up. Well, my question then was always, if Mr. and Mrs. Marble were inspiration for the Pokemon team, like twins, the, oh, yeah. like Team Rocket. I never got to like dig into that as much as I wanted to. But... They were just as weird and over the top and they had the same coloring, but they never like fucked or sucked each other's toes, which was also something that happened in this movie.
0: 74.
1: 74. Okay. So that was- It's when she bo- was kidnapped. That was, oh, okay. Um, so that was after Pink Flamingos.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So not a direct correlation. Yeah. But I love that she's categorized as an American author and criminal. <sighs> Convicted felon.
1: Yeah, she's. Yeah. Oh,
0: Patty Hearst. Girl, you made right. some life choices. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about Patty Hearst. I one literally
1: day. have a little scribble at the bottom of my notes that says, What the fuck, how to explain?
0: <laughs> That's a good segue.
1: Yeah.
0: Because, What the fuck, how to explain for the next movie, too. This movie's a little bit easier explained. Serial Mom from nineteen eighty. I liked this one. Yeah, it's great. Nineteen eighty-four.
1: Well, Kathleen Turner
0: and Sam
1: Waters. Oh, I wrote them both down.
0: First, second movie Matthew Lillard ever did. Oh yeah, I forgot. And Matthew another Lillard appearance was by Ricky Lake. Ricky Lake has now become into the John Waters fold. Yeah. Hairspray. This movie, Cry Baby. Well, so this is
1: 1994.
0: Yes, this one is 19. I think I just said 1984. What I meant oh. to
1: say was 1994.
0: 94. Uh, we follow Beverly Sutphin and appear she is the perfect housewife, or so it appears to be. Mm-hmm. Let me start that over again. My mouth didn't really want to work. No way. Beverly Sutphin appears to be an unassuming upper-middle-class housewife living with her dentist husband, Eugene, and their teenage daughter and son, Misty and Chip, in the suburbs of Baltimore. However, she's secretly a serial killer. Murdering... Gasp. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) Cue gasp. Murdering those who she perceives to slight her and her family or fail to live up to her moral standards. She is the worst PTA president. <laughs> I do not want her running the HOA. You don't want her running anything. anything. During breakfast, detectives Pike and Gracie question the family about the vulgar harassment their neighbor, Dottie Hinkle, has been receiving. Beverly is later revealed to be the perpetrator. She likes to prank call Dottie and be really mean to
1: her. Oh my God, it was funny but crazy. (laughs) So funny.
0: Retaliating against Dottie for having taken a parking space when she was trying to go shopping at Joanne's. At a PTA meeting, math teacher Paul Stubbins criticizes Chip's interest in horror movies, believing that Beverly's parenting is adversely affecting his mental health which i mean it could very well be adverse (laughs) mom's a serial killer not great for your mental health subsequently beverly runs stubbins over with her car she does it twice she goes over forward and backward she kills his ass make sure that
1: it's a done deal
0: it is witnessed by a nearby stoner luann hodges Following day, Misty is upset when Carl Pageant stands her up for a date. Beverly then spots Carl with another girl at the swap meet and fatally stabs him with a fire iron in the bathroom. At Gracie's suggestion, Eugene discovers Beverly's serial killer memorabilia beneath their mattress, which includes recordings from Ted Bundy, who was voiced by John Waters. That sounded like that. I know. That's his own little... He likes to do little hitch moments every Mm -hmm. once in a while.
1: Um, But usually in voiceover format. He's never really in them.
0: Yeah. That (laughs) evening at dinner, Chip tells the family about his friend Scotty's suspicions. Beverly departs at that point, fearing for Scotty's life. The others then head to Scotty's house. Unbeknownst to them, Beverly intends to kill Ralph and Betty Stirner for calling Eugene to treat his toothache on a day that Eugene and Beverly plan to spend bird watching. <sighs> you encroach on my life, I'm going to murder you. God. Eating chicken and critiquing Eugene's request for perfect dental health. She stabs Betty with the scissors borrowed from Rosemary Ackerman and pushes the air conditioner from the window on top of Ralph. Meanwhile, the rest of the family and the police arrive over at Scotty's house only to find him masturbating to big boobie porn. And it's really funny. (laughs) That would make me not want to masturbate for a while. I'd be a little scarred about masturbation.
1: Even more into it. Who knows?
0: He could develop like a voyeurism yeah Yeah. tom voyeurism thing anyway on sunday the police follow the stuffins to church as beverly is named as the prime suspect in the sterner's murders sterner's murders Hmm. the service abruptly ends when everyone flees in panic after beverly sneezes it's really funny (laughs) during which she escapes as the police attempt to arrest her she hides at the video store where tritt she hides at the video store where Chip is employed. Emmy Lou Johnson. Emmy Lou Jensen. A customer argues with Chip over being fined for failing to rewind a videotape. For children, there aren't that many young viewers who listen to this, but if one day someone who's never seen a VHS tape or been to a blockbuster or any video store listens to this, you should know please be kind, rewind. Don't be an asshole. I don't want to start the movie at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why they find.
1: Well, also, too, if you have to sit there and rewind every single movie that comes back, that's Yeah, that's a lot, a of, work. lot of
0: work. That's why they didn't do that a lot.
1: Mm-hmm. Calling
0: him a son of a psycho, Beverly follows Jensen home and fatally <laughs> strikes her with the leg of a lamb as she's watching Annie <laughs> gleefully. Scotty witnesses the attack nearby. Beverly spots him and pursues him after carjacking a nearby passer. Ending up at Hammerjacks, Beverly immolates Scotty during a live performance. The Stuffins family arrive as Beverly is arrested. Beverly's trial becomes a media sensation and she's dubbed Serial Mom. Both Chip and Misty profit off their notoriety. Selling t shirts outside the courthouse during their mom's trial. I mean, that's, it's gonna be really expensive to pay those lawyers. They that's were just being. True. That's true. Practical. Innovative and practical. Yeah. During the opening arguments, Beverly's lawyer claims that she is not guilty by reason of insanity. Big surprise. Mm. But is promptly dismissed, representing herself. She didn't like that motherfucker. She didn't wanna be crazy. Beverly systematically discredits every witness against her by exploiting their own vices, while Hodges is too high to provide credible testimony. During Pike's testimony, the courtroom is distracted by the arrival of Suzanne Summers, who is cast to play Beverly in a TV movie. Beverly is acquitted of all charges. Throughout the trial, Beverly expresses contempt at a particular juror for wearing white shoes after Labor Day. Juror number Patty Hurst. Beverly follows her to a payphone And fatally strikes her with the receiver Before realizing the truth Summers angers Beverly into an outburst Attempting to pose for a photo op The juror's body is then discovered And gasps are heard Fade out Everybody looks at her like, oh, shit, she did kill him. She did do it
1: after all. She just couldn't help herself. Why should we give a shit about this movie? It's so much fun. Well, Sam Waterston, Kathleen Turner, and it's hilarious. Uh,
0: This is his satire of true crime culture. And the fascination with true crime. Uh, lately, I feel like in the last 10 years or so, people feel like true crime is something that's been new. No, dude, what's not... that show that was
1: on in the 90s all the time?
0: Well, there's Unsolved Mysteries. Yes, there's that one, there's Most a bunch- Wanted. That one. There's, I Cops. Mean, cops, yeah. True crime has always been a part of the lexicon. Even before TV, man. There's, like, a crazy family from Kansas that are noted serial killers. And, like, people used to walk through their house all the time because they abandoned it and like there wasn't a lot of let's lock the crime scene down Mm -hmm. back in the day and so people would just walk through and take stuff from the house from Mm -hmm. the crime scene there's always been looky-loos when ed gein got caught like the entire fucking town showed up at his house to like look at shit so there's a reason why we've developed the forensic protocol we have because assholes have been running through crime scenes for centuries Mm -hmm. Um, mm-hmm
1: literal grave robbers
0: literal i would love to watch the movie about the two famous grave robbers from uh england that simon pegg did
1: oh yeah real story i'd be into that too
0: they're stealing bodies also
1: speaking kathleen turner we still really want to watch romancing the Stone*.
0: (laughs) Oh, we're gonna have a romancing the stone double feature maybe next year for Valentine's Day, because I think that I think that
1: would be a great idea. You Um, heard it here first.
0: I know, right? Exclusive. Bombshell. So we like to talk about people who could have been.
1: Ooh, yeah, hit me with it. So Kathleen
0: (laughs) Turner was one of the bottom of the list. Really? Meryl Streep, (gasps) Kathy Bates, and Glenn Close were all asked. Before Kathleen Turner,
1: Meryl Streep would have been great.
0: Glenn Close, bitch. Yeah. Glenn Close would have been great. Meryl Streep, Kathy, any of those choices would have been awesome. It would have been all different flavors, though. You know what I mean? That's why we like to talk about these, because those are three very different movies. Very different
1: movies.
0: Um, But they probably knew who John Waters was and decided maybe that's not best for my career right now. Uh, Like I said earlier, this was Matthew Lillard's, one of his, his first, like, big film. It was, Mm -hmm. like, his second real film, but it was his first, like, big film. And I just wanted to include this because very rare, I feel, I feel sometimes actors are not in for the collaboration. They're into themselves. And this was just, like, a sweet, like, senior, I don't want to sound like ages but senior acting moment she has been acting for a long time and matthew lillard is a newbie Mm -hmm. and uh she memorized everyone's names on the call sheet so when she came to work on day one she knew who everyone was and matthew lillard didn't expect her to know who he was Mm -hmm. and she goes oh honey that's just the first thing you do I don't think everyone thinks that's the first thing you do, but that's such a wonderful... remember who you're working res- with. Respectful thing. Dude, I don't know if you know this, but there are sometimes... So there are slight tangential. Um, and there are different shots. There are close-up shots. Everyone knows about close-ups. And then there are wide shots. There are over-the-shoulder yeah. shots. There are mid-ground shots. There are all sorts of different shots. So for over-the-shoulder shots normally used for conversations not always is the actor who right, is going in, over right? the shoulder. A lot of times those actors just don't want to do it. Yeah, They don't want to read the lines for you. They don't want to be in the room. They're going to go hang out in their trailer and eat snacks and not be a part of the process. Mm-hmm. So some actors will have a stand-in, right. and then someone off camera will read lines while you're performing to someone that's not your actual co-star. Hmm. So i don't know i just feel like that sets kathleen turner apart she's more into the process she wants to be respectful of all the other artists she's a real actress i love kathleen turner she's amazing
1: she has the most amazing voice
0: michael douglas tried to talk her out of it speaking of romancing the
1: stone oh my gosh Ah!
0: really yeah he was like i don't think you should do this girl (laughs) she did great (laughs) i know right and i think she loved it
1: and it Um, was like the least perverted of all the ones that we've seen
0: genuinely is the least perverted of all you still
1: get a masturbating scene but there's
0: a masturbating scene there's still some titties and there's some blood um but it is the most tame of the three movies we watched for
1: sure a hundred percent
0: sam waterston kathleen turner 2006 law and order episode magnet
1: hmm
0: they did an episode together
1: awesome
0: i just you love law and order you're into the svu i, I just know. wanted to give you that little he was into law and order fun fact because
1: yeah john waters he played this online porn like distrib- distribution like person or something like
0: well i'm talking about sam watterson oh yeah and kathleen Tenner, turner did an episode together yeah on he, and, yeah
1: yeah on yeah. regular law and order yeah well they're great together
0: yeah they're great
1: their chemistry fantastic
0: and john waters being a weird internet perv adds up right is probably but it wasn't weird the, he was the businessman
1: so he actually helped them catch oh, a nice, perv nice he was just um, taking perv's money
0: no one likes this film this is what, one of those other movies that, like, everybody hated, but I loved, and I don't know why I got so much hate. It only it's only has 63% on Rotten Tomatoes.
1: It's got that campy vibe. So when it's something is campy, if you don't really understand what camp is, then you don't take it seriously. Correct. Which was very evident at the Met Gala when camp was the theme, and no the, one got yeah, it. I was
0: like, there was no camp. There was maybe one or two there was people a few. That, that would have been slightly considered camp, but it was not campy. I would have done great
1: no Monet's was re- was great. Yeah, she was. Oh my god, it blew. We're not gonna
0: talk about the Met Gala. That is the hot mess.
1: Oh my god, no. Or the people that are trying to make a statement while going to this billion-dollar event, regardless. All right, well, we can uh, move on over to a dirty shame.
0: Dirty, 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 <laughs> dirty. Oh my god,
1: you got right back Do it
0: even worse. Oh uh, my god, this movie. So, yeah, I don't know if my parents knew what I was watching most of the time. They just
1: gave you Showtime and were like, have fun. TV
0: raised me most of the time. Uh, Yeah, I had HBO. I had Showtime. Yeah, we talk about this all
1: the time. I didn't have any of that shit.
0: Yeah, I had all that shit. So, I watched this in 2004 on Showtime. It was a movie. It was an experience. I actually think it... Not true. I was going to say, I think it was my first introduction to John Waters, but that is not true. Hairspray was my first introduction yeah. to John Waters. And I saw Hairspray before I saw A Dirty the Shame. The original but, one? Yes, the original yeah. one. So you used to play it on TV all the time. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, I love the fucking musical. Well, and... it's got Jerry
1: Stiller in it. Yeah, Come no, on.
0: It's an incredible movie. Um. But this movie, Dirty Shame, we follow Sylvia Stickles,
1: played by Tracy Ullman,
0: who runs a convenience store with her husband...
1: Chris motherfucking Isaac
0: and mother-in-law Suzanne Shepard one day Sylvia is hit on the head and transforms into from an uptight prude into a sex crazed lunatic (laughs) always rubbing her pussy on everything and just being very like she's always gyrating and moaning (laughs) that pretty much yeah most of this movie yeah as she goes on a rampage through town, Sylvia attracts the attention of Ray Ray, played by Johnny Knoxville, who is a sexual healer. Oh my God. Sexual Jesus. He's also a tow truck driver. <laughs> He's also in search of the world's greatest orgasm in a new sexual position that has yet to be discovered, and he thinks Sylvia is the one to help them discover it, him and his little gaggle of sex addicts. Mm -hmm. They decide that they are going to turn their town, and specifically Hartford Road, into a sexually liberated area. Their sexual revolution, however causes a class war within their tiny Baltimore community. The square townsfolk call themselves neuters versus the sex addicts, or liberated. Eventually, through a series of bizarre head trauma in the Hartford Road area of Baltimore, they basically all become sex addicts.
1: In this movie, if you get hit in the head, you become Randy for life. Which I just think that that's a funny premise.
0: It is pretty entertaining. Just
1: like, and I was trying to explain it to Rava. <laughs> he, I was like, basically, the premise is that all head injuries and head trauma can cause sex addiction. And
0: so, we'll like, get it, into, it just like flips the we'll switch. We'll get into it. i want to I'm gonna talk about. That oh yeah, rem- yeah. So the end of this movie, I really can't describe this movie. I describe the other ones much better, but this one just, this movie. Is a weird sexual rampage through sexual facts of the early 2000s. Are we talking about
1: why we should give a shit? Or are we...
0: Um, Hold on. Okay. Because I need to tell everyone what Johnny Knoxville does at the end of the movie. As Hartford Road is in its weird, vile, orgasmic state, Ray Ray shoots semen out of his head and Gyrates in the air, becomes the sexual messiah, and screams "Let's go sexin which they say throughout the movie. That's and his catchphrase. Really face. fucking funny. Let's, Let's go, go sexin'. sexin I think say that's that to when your partner next time you want to do it.
1: Well, that's when Rob walked in. He's, he didn't watch the whole movie, and then he walks in, and then Johnny Knoxville, all, it like is at the start of his orgasm, gets off, and says "Let's go sexing" in this very like flamboyant way, and then he was like, "What did I just?" <laughs> walking up. He did
0: say that he did realize that he just watched Johnny Knoxville come over an entire audience and yeah. I was like that's basically what you need to know about this movie. Yeah. Johnny He's a Knoxville sexual gets to healer. come over everybody and I would let him come over me. <laughs> oh, my <God>. yes. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. Why should we give a shit about this movie? Aside well,
1: from your own personal sexual versions,
0: Um It is John Waters' last known directorial film mm-hmm. um, so I'm just far. surprised
1: Chris Isaacs was in there. Wait, Chris Isaac was in really there. It was a really
0: surprising cast. Actually, uh, Shepard. Uh, Susan Shepard. Yeah, sorry. Moment. Susan Shepard wanted to pull out.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, she didn't realize who John Waters was. She had oh. never seen any of his films. And then when she got to set and started doing a table read... She didn't know until she showed up to the table. Read of what the content of the, the movie was going was? to be. Would you think something called a dirty shame? Would... But Johnny Knoxville and Tracy Alman and Chris Isaac and the rest of the cast banded together and convinced her to stay. And they said that they would make it really fun. And she did ultimately have a a good a good time. But uh, yeah, she wanted to leave. She wanted out. Um, he. So, okay. All right. Sex.
1: <laughs> let's talk about sex, baby. baby let's let's talk, talk about you and me. Let's so. talk about John Waters and this movie, Dirty Shame.
0: John Waters wanted to make this movie because he discovered that there were several sexual slang terms and branches of sexual subgenres. Yeah. That he had... It, it was a new... It was a revolution. Thank you to the internet. And he wanted to explain he wanted he wanted this movie to explain sex to people because er, this movie reads like a weird psa like a yeah, weird just, don't sex hit your PSA. head or
1: you're gonna go a sex in
0: that too but there's also it's like all <clears throat> of the weird sexual subgroups are weird so they talk about a bunch of different fetishes a lot of the lines are actual facts from at least from two thousand four. I don't want to say that we these didn't are real like at actual all, but facts. there's
1: subliminal, like not so much subliminal, but big words. Oh, the subliminal. Cast- no, yeah. it's subliminal yeah. messaging.
0: It's what it's. Yeah, it's subliminal. He tries to use subliminal messaging and talk about whore, penis, penis cum. Yeah, no, it's really 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 funny. He also shot it entirely on location on Hartford Hartford Road in Baltimore. Oh my god. I feel really bad for the people who live on Hartford Road. Jesus. But yeah, so a lot of the a lot of the dialogue everything in this movie the was she... well researched. It was not made up. No. There are bears. There are they gave you the actual name for like food fetishes and Baby fetishes and the just is weird. And he wanted to, everyone to know about the
1: weird different branches of sex, so that you wouldn't feel alone out there if you yeah. didn't find something and arouse it. Let's go sexing. Well, there was yodeling in the cave.
0: Oh no, yodeling in the canyon.
1: Oh, that's what it was. Oh no, the uh, so it was Tracy Almond in, in this canyon. movie
0: is what they call a conolingus sub cunnilingus submissive yeah or a sub which means people just go down on her a lot in this movie and she's constantly sitting on people's faces pretty much <laughs> and she has the best names for eating out pussy yodeling Lodeling in, the, in canyon. the canyon
1: pearl diving pearl
0: diving i like that one
1: and a swedish headache oh my god that one was oh nuts man
0: Yeah, you should really just watch the movie for the slang terms. It's because those are so great. Ridiculous. Did you like this movie? I loved this This movie. movie This movie was so
1: funny. If anything, for Selma Blair. Selma
0: Blair. I hadn't even mentioned her. Shame on me. Selma Blair, otherwise known as
1: Caprice Stickles. But she goes by her stripper name, Ursula Utters which is so funny. And so we talked about her chest piece because you can't miss it. She's wearing the most ridiculous chest piece that is meant and aimed at the fact that she's got this sex addiction and so she just wants bigger and bigger and bigger breasts.
0: And uh, depending on, I saw like a- You told me this. Behind yeah. the scenes one time, depending on the country, depended on the breasts, the film actually received an NC-17 rating from- Because of those titties? and other things but a lot of the titties from the motion picture association of america many major theater chains would refuse to screen the film without a rating and definitely without a 17 most most f- your amc your regency you're not going to see NC gonna see 17. it's going to be
1: indie film indie yeah, film absolutely places. or which direct g-
0: to tv which yeah. is why i ended up on showtime but it
1: gives even though it's Somewhat more commercial. It still gives an indie-esque vibe. But about those titties. <laughs> like, so you and I were like, dude, how heavy are those? I couldn't find anything quite on the weight of them, especially if they are switching them out. But they did say that the prosthetic breasts used in the film required four hours of makeup. <laughs> and for the nude scene... The prosthetic breasts costing $5,000 were used and the studio's lighting was so bright that the film only had several hours to film before the fake breasts cracked.
0: Oh my God.
1: Right? Compared to, and then this is compared to like, we were talking about hairspray, compared to the five hours of extensive makeup and prosthetics for John Travolta and hairspray. But that involved facial prosthetics. This was just literally boob prosthetics.
0: That hairspray was also not directed by John Waters. No. Is complete. He got to get paid for it, but he didn't have to do too much work for it. He probably
1: wouldn't have chosen John Travolta.
0: I wouldn't have chosen John Travolta. Ooh, you guys missed all the like, neck sass in there. See the head in there, <laughs> but I've always been really spicy ever since. People like think, especially when I was younger, because I was a very like Tracy Turnblad kind yeah. of casting type. Yeah. Um. People were like, oh, let's give you a hairspray for Christmas and shit. So many. I have thrown away so many hairspray DVDs. Stop giving me hairspray DVDs. I've seen the movie. I know what John Waters would have liked. And it's not John Travolta. Yeah. But Christopher Walken's pretty dope in that movie. Shout out to
1: Christopher Walken. He's pretty pretty great. great.
0: The surrounding cast. But like Edna is kind of a really huge.
1: Those are big shoes to fill.
0: Yeah. Divine shoes. And John Travolta did not do it justice. It should have
1: been like Lady Bunny. Anyway, I thought that was interesting. That yeah. Those tits cost five grand. But if they had several tits, if it's several lot. tits, yeah. there must have been more. But yeah, they were gonna crack under those studio lights.
0: Back to censorship. Uh, Waters begged for a rated R rating so he could get major distribution. Yeah. And the MPAA basically said about thirty minutes in they stopped taking notes. That's so. They weren't going to waste the paper anymore.
1: I mean, they did put pasties on her tits, kind on her nipples for the first bit.
0: It was eventually released with the NC-17, but that's how it ended up. Direct to TV!
1: Gotcha. But,
0: yeah. John Waters.
1: <sighs> we made it. We made it. That was a lot.
0: He is a lot, but I if love If you made him. it through
1: the episode, good for you.
0: If you didn't stop at the chicken mutilation at the beginning then i'm proud of you
1: i feel like we should have released some sort of merch code at the end of this like if you make it through the john waters episode give use the something. code john waters
0: we're gonna give you a treat thanks for sticking with us
1: yeah we'll keep an shirt. eye out keep an eye that out that
0: might happen sometimes we might need to for- ask for forgiveness for what we're talking about
1: <laughs> yeah
0: uh, but i fucking love john waters i don't think
1: the movies got we better would, as they yeah, went along. Yeah, he
0: evolved. It was an, another really great opportunity to watch a director evolve. Um, very soon we're going to talk about Mel Brooks, and we really see the evolution of Mel Brooks in the movies that we watched uh, for him. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I like watching people evolve. I like them becoming better artists and better at their craft and creating better stories. And I like I feel seeing like,
1: the arc, yeah, the story arc yeah. of like their directorial evolution.
0: A lot of the underground art movement in the 70s would have not happened mm-hmm. if it wasn't for John Waters. So, if I could cap this off at why we should give a shit about John Waters period, mm-hmm. his artistic sensibility and what he meant to the filmmaking and the artist community of specifically New York in the 70s. Mm-hmm.
1: And his sense of humor.
0: That too. Yeah. Dialogue. His- the di- his dialogue is absurd and brilliant and amazing. Please watch John Waters movies.
1: Maybe not on a first date. Definitely fucking not <laughs> pink flamingo. Like, "Hey baby, you want to watch pink flamingos on our first date? Let's eat some curry and really get into it."
0: <laughs> You've never seen Cry Baby, and I'd love to watch that I'm gonna one. I want to watch you. that one. We're, that's a really good one. That's going to be a you and I journey. Maybe when we get to musicals one day. Because I like to do some musicals that aren't like traditional musicals. Because I really hate Which like Which is, yeah, no, I don't really like the musicals. foofy ones. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. No but shade. Yeah. Just that, not for us.
0: <laughs> that's the, that, that, that'll do her for this episode. Wrapping
1: it up, John We're gonna Waters. we need to go
0: have a shot or some edibles or a therapy session after this. Boba.
1: <laughs> Boba um, and meditation.
0: Thanks for tuning in again. Make sure to follow us on all of our social medias. Follow me at Aaron Mullane official. Follow Chloe
1: at Chloe Riggs makes things. Don't
0: forget to check out our merch store. Check it out. There's
1: a bunch of, There's shit, a on bunch there. of shit on there. t shirts hats, masks.
0: Sign up for our street team. Our scavenger hunt still going on. Also, don't forget to donate to our live show fund because we would love to perform live for you all. Hang out, watch a movie together.
1: We'll start in L.A., but we're gonna be going. We're gonna, try go- we're gonna to go be around. going.
0: We're going to try to visit everybody. Um, If you have any questions, comments, concerns, want to tell us that we probably shouldn't have done John Waters, you can tell us at info at requiredviewingpodcast.com. And yeah, I think that'll do her. Happy
1: viewing. Happy viewing. Hello. required viewing.
0: This podcast was a Yaki Soba Studios production. With a special thanks to our producer Michael Murray with graphics and music done by Colin Pearson.